0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host Mo Stewart, back and refreshed and ready to tackle another big LFC topic with my two tail gunners alongside me, Matt Addison and James Martin. Now for Liverpool, this has been a week in which they've navigated a derby at Goodison that could have felt very weird, but ended up being lots of fun. And hopefully we've got another such game on the horizon this weekend as Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. I say that again, Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa comes to Anfield. Um, Matt, it's going to be a weird game for lots of reasons. There's going to be lots of emotion around the fan base. But is this something where the players themselves are going to be able to detach themselves from all of our hoopla, so to say.
1: Yeah, I think so. There's going to be a lot of talk around it, isn't it? But fundamentally, it's a game that Liverpool have to win. I think you can say that against pretty much every single team outside of Chelsea and Manchester City. Liverpool have to go into it thinking anything less than three points is is not good enough for them. So I think it's, it's very much a game that I'm sure when we hear from Jurgen Klopp later in the week, he will pretty much say, well, it's, it's just a game. That's what he said about Everton. That's what he said about previous games in the past. And I'm sure, to be fair, Stephen Gerrard will, will say very similar. I think he'll want to, well, he, I know he will want to, to win the game. He'll want to to come there and, and take the three points off Liverpool and kind of prove how good a manager he is and, and how good a team his team are. So, yeah, as much as there will be a lot of chat around it and, you know, for, for obvious and, and understandable reasons... Ultimately, it's it's two teams that, that want to win, uh, and that is that's that's the long and short of it.
0: In the Premier League, it always boils down to that eventually, despite what all of the other narratives say. Now, James, one of the other narratives that's springing around is going to be Steven's audition for Klopp's job at some point when Klopp decides he doesn't want it any longer. Now, again, both men are going to be putting that to one side as much as possible. Steven's going to be trying to go out there and prove he cares more about Aston Villa right now than he does about Liverpool. Now, does that present a danger for us as a team? Because he might not want to say that he loves Liverpool right now, but what he does is he knows Liverpool right now.
2: Yeah, it's, like you say at the start, it's a weird situation. Like, there's just no two ways about it. It's Everything about it is odd. Um, I don't think it necessarily gives anyone an advantage or a disadvantage. It's just, it adds an extra element in terms of the fans, like how they're going to respond to him, presumably positively, but it's not going to be—it's not. Something's going to happen, isn't it? I mean, like it's like you say, the narrative is is fairly irresistible. Whichever way it goes, there's going to be some sort of line about Gerard and Liverpool and what it means for the future and what it means now. I and mean, you know, he's either helped the title charge or he's derailed the title charge. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's. There's going to be there's going to be a lot going on, but I don't I don't think the fact that he knows Liverpool will necessarily give him any kind of upper hand in the sense that he left as a player before Klopp came in. It's it's not like he's uh, he's like a alum of of the Klopp ways. It's not like he knows that system inside out and knows how to counter it. So yeah, it's it makes things a lot more strange. But whether it gives him an edge. I, I don't necessarily think it does.
0: Well, we'll have to wait and see. Well, that's one of the elements that we are going to definitely debate over the course of the show. But what I wanted to do with this show is we, we've talked about all of the emotion, the weirdness, the the narratives. Let's break it down to football because that's essentially what it is. It's a football game, and we as Liverpool fans. We are still thinking of Stevie in a red shirt. We're not thinking of Steven Gerrard, the manager. So let's do that now. Let's look at Steven Gerrard, the manager. What does a Steven Gerrard team look like? What can we expect to see? Now, Matt, he had three and a half years at Rangers. And even taking into account a lot of us probably won't have seen a lot of those games He was there long enough to build up a reputation, to build up some characteristics, not only as a tactician, but as a man-manager. What would you say your impression of him at Rangers in those areas was?
1: I think it's really interesting, actually. I know James mentioned the fact that he wouldn't necessarily have the upper hand in terms of coming to, to Anfield on Saturday. I think it's almost the other way around in that he is pretty much trying to do what Jurgen Klopp is wanting, but he just doesn't have as good players. So if you try and do that against Liverpool, Liverpool will win because they're better individually. Collectively, I think it's it's fairly similar. Now, as you say, I've not seen loads and loads and loads of his Rangers teams, but everything that um, I have seen and, and everyone that I've spoken to uh, who has seen a lot more of him up there than, than I have seems to say that it is pretty similar to, to how Liverpool play you had equivalents at fullback who were doing the fullback things that Jurgen Klopp gets his players to do. You had a pretty functional midfield three. Obviously, that's slightly different now with Liverpool with Thiago having replaced Geny Wijnaldum in there, but fundamentally, it's it's a similar sort of thing. You've got a centre forward who maybe at Rangers was slightly more sort of traditional number nine than, than Roberto Firmino, but again, there's an argument that maybe Diogo Jota has become that over the last few weeks anyway. And then you've got you know goals from out wide. Obviously, um, you know certain qualities of, of a Jurgen Klopp team stand out more than others, apart from the fullbacks, I think. Mohamed Salah and and Sadio Mane would be a big one and essentially that's what he was doing with with Ryan Kent and he obviously bought off off Liverpool to to go up there so from what I know of of him it was pretty much a 4-3-3 on occasion a 4-2-3-1 it was very full-back heavy it was very very similar to to how Liverpool play he brought in a similar sort of thing within the, the goalkeeping situation as well it was very much a A sensible play out from the back when you can but if you have to go long it's it's not the end of the world type thing I think there's there's a lot of similarities I think even off the pitch at Rangers it was set up in a very similar way sporting director transfers all of that sort of thing it was it was very very similar so yeah I think essentially what Rangers were is a poorer version of of Liverpool which obviously for Steven Gerrard's long-term aims kind of makes sense
0: it, it does make a lot of sense, and I think those are the kind of reasons why people thought that he'd been auditioning for Liverpool from day one. But it could be just that he saw it work, and he likes that system. There's no necessarily really guarantee that it's the same thing. However, one thing we have to acknowledge, James, is that Rangers were in a similar position to Liverpool in as much as they were going into every game expecting to win in the SPL. But the quality was very different. So when we're looking at how Rangers play and how Steven Gerrard's Rangers play, and almost in a similar way to how his Aston Villa might play, being in a similar situation, is it more important to look at how they played in European football, where they weren't the big team? They had to go up against some teams who had more experience in Europe and teams who had more quality, and they were still able to hold their own.
2: Yeah, that's probably the more useful indication. It's a a good point to make in terms of the fact that Rangers were in that kind of equivalent position within the context of the league. I think that is what bodes best when you're looking longer term and thinking how transferable is it to Liverpool? That's the kind of thing we like to see. The fact that he can cope with being one of the dominant teams in the league and deliver on those expectations by playing that kind of dominant style of football where you're expected to keep most of the ball and you're still able to use it effectively. In some ways... It's, it's more indicative of his potential at Liverpool than whatever he'll do at Villa. Because as you say, Villa, he'll be going into a lot of games more as the underdog, like he had to do with Rangers in Europe. And yeah, like you touched upon, he, he did quite well. Um, there's different, like depending on who you talk to, you'll get different assessments of it. Some people say he's, he's underperformed, like uh, the, the Champions League, he, he didn't make it this year through the qualifiers, for example, um, and then he left before concluding the Europa League group. With that still very much up in the air at the time he left, um, I think they're they're looking pretty strong now. I think they won they won the game since he left, if if I remember correctly. But um, but yeah, it's it, there's been some big results in there. I mean, Porto is 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 worth a mention. They were obviously flying the Champions League not long before they played Rangers, and then he comes along and, and gets the result, which is. It's not to be sniffed at. Um, and yes, started strongly with Villa, as you say, with with that kind of, not necessarily games where he'd be an underdog, but games, well, I mean, probably with Leicester, you'd say Leicester were going in as the favourites. The form book maybe disagreed slightly, but it's it's a game where he's playing one of the teams who are certainly far more established as in the Premier League top half than Villa are. And he's he's gone along and, and got a win. So it's three wins out of four now in that sort of, that that situation where he has to, you know, punch above his weight. So that's that is what Liverpool will be looking at in terms of how they need to how they need to set up against him. But then the thing with with Liverpool and Klopp is that they're pretty much always going to play the same way. Um, that, you know, there's tweaks in game, of course there are, and you know, things will change slightly depending on the opposition. But regardless of what Gerard's going to do, I think we all know roughly the shape Klopp's going to use and the way he's going to instruct his players to go out.
0: No, I think that's fair. And I think Liverpool are very much in a situation where there are a very small group of teams for whom we will change what we do, and none of them will change it fundamentally. So the onus is very much going to be on Gerard and Aston Villa to try and find cracks within our system. But I want to focus a little bit more on this European record the Rangers had, because... When you think about where they were when he took over, Matt, they were losing two part-timers from Luxembourg. And then by the, by the time he got to him leaving, they were disappointed not to get in the Champions League. Obviously, I think it was Malmo who they lost to home and away to get out of that. There. So there's a progression there. It's not necessarily just him coming in and having like a new manager bounce and then riding that for a while. There's seems to be able to evolve his team week on week, year on year. So... The longer he's going to be able to be at Villa, the more dangerous his teams are going to become.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a case of, of developing that style, developing the kind of Rafa Benitez in Europe, being defensive, counter-attacking, make sure you don't concede the away goal, that kind of thing. I think Rangers were, were really quite good at that. And to be honest, that was one of the biggest concerns that I've got with him being at Villa. There's no guarantee of any European football, even if he's there for... For three seasons they might not get into Europe and that that's not to say that he could do a bad job and that would happen it's just that there's so many teams trying to get into Europe at the moment there's teams who've spent it a lot more there's I mean obviously Leicester they've won against them last weekend but then you look at teams like Arsenal Tottenham Tottenham obviously with a new manager you'd expect them to, to be right up there I think Stephen Gerrard can do a really good job at Aston Villa and not get into Europe and those two things can happen at, at the same time so that's that's the question mark for me. Um, obviously that's something that if he's looking at, at Liverpool long term he's got to prove that, that that is the case and if Aston Villa are not in European football between now and, and whenever that decision might be then I think there's there's maybe a bit of a question mark over that just because obviously what he did at Rangers was, was very good but it is a very small sample size and mm-hmm. I'd have quite liked to have seen him do it for, for another couple of years in, in terms of, of European football, with that being such you know a fundamental part of, of what Liverpool, you know, we presume, that they're not going to finish outside of the European places anytime soon. We certainly <laughs> hope so anyway. Um, so, yeah, that that's a bit of a concern for me in terms of, of Villa because obviously you've got the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup and, and that, but... It, it's just not the same it, it's not even the same format in terms of, of home and away playing different styles all of that kind of thing I think I think that would have been important but you know that that was part of the gamble wasn't it he knew that when he went to Aston Villa and that's kind of the, the thing that he had to weigh up so yeah it's it, it's a bit of a question mark I think in my head that to be honest
0: well it's a very fair point there and let's focus on Villa now because that's where he is and In a strange way, James, the same teams who would have given him hope that he can transform Villa, West Ham and Leicester in particular, are his biggest barriers to doing it. Because as Matt said, there are plenty of other teams. The traditional, as we call them, top six are more more likely than not to get their act together over a course of any two year period in which at least in one of those two years, they're going to be fighting for the European places. So they have the raw materials, but. So do so many other teams. How are they going to separate themselves? Is this something where we can see them maybe targeting the FA Cup, maybe go on the FA Cup run, win the FA Cup and get into the Europa League that way?
2: Potentially. I think the aim is always to qualify through the league because, you know, over the course of a full season, that's where the quality really tells. If you get your team playing well enough, then that's the most kind of reliable way um, to get into the get into the european places that's not to say it's necessarily the easiest way but there's just so much left to chance in cup runs you know that literally the luck of the draw comes into it so i mean when you're looking at it from a kind of structural three-year plan sort of perspective the aim is going to be let's get into a position where we can qualify through the league and hopefully build on that and do it year on year rather than a nice cup run but yeah, it's, it's possible that we'll see some of his, his best qualities, Gerald's best qualities in the Cups so when he does have those kind of big occasion games up against potentially bigger teams where he's got to pull off those kind of results where, as we touched upon, he, he sometimes managed them in Europe with Rangers. If he can bring that down across the border and do it with Villa, then, yeah, a Cup run is very possible. But like you say, the league, as Matt touched on, so competitive in those in those European spots, there's, there's the... Uh, Conference league now, which could work in, in Gerard's favour, the much maligned Conference League, but you know, it's still it's still European football and to be honest, because of the quality of teams in it, it does give the potential for that sort of Liverpool audition in the sense that Villa would be going into it as one of the stronger teams purely because of the financial disparity between the Premier League and other leagues. Basically any Premier League team who gets into the Conference League is going to be one of the major contenders. So Yeah, that would be a chance of seeing what he's like up against, you know, teams from different countries, teams with different styles, and seeing if he can build from a dominant position in Europe rather than as an underdog in Europe, like we saw with Rangers. So it would be interesting if he could manage to to get in. But I do think, in terms of what Villa want, it'll be hoping they can make it through the league rather than through one of the cups.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, so let's have a look at what Villa have got as opposed to what they want. Now, Matt, you mentioned that Gerard very much favours the Liverpool style of play in terms of fullbacks attacking, uh, a functional midfield, uh, wide forwards who can swap sides and cut inside towards goal. He ha- feels like he's got some of those raw materials, but maybe not all of them. I'm, I'm looking at Matty Cash and Matt Target wondering if they can turn into Trent and Robbo, wondering if we're going to actually see more of Ashley Young, who may not necessarily have the legs, but certainly has those qualities. Thinking about maybe the fact that, obviously, he doesn't have the full set of forwards available to him. I think Leon Bailey and Danny Ings are both going to be injured for this Liverpool game. But seeing how he uses what he's got in that squad to fit his own configuration, do you think he's going to be able to start thinking that way yet? Or is it simply going to be a case of in these early weeks, seeing who we've got and trying to get the best 11 out there?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think he, he will be able to, to start to get certain things in place. I know Ollie Watkins is someone that has been on Liverpool's radar potentially as, as a striker. I know they spent about £33 million on him, so God knows what they'd want to, to get for him now if, if anybody did come in for him. But I think he's got certain players like that which you can instantly just say, yeah, that they will will suit the way that that he wants to play. I think Danny Ings would be a big one when he comes back. I think you can sort of see him with, with Watkins to his left. I think that can work. And obviously, Leon Bailey is a bit inconsistent, but again, it is a winger with, with a lot of quality. The fullbacks are, are interesting. and um, I think I've thought for, for the last season or so really that Matt Target was a bit of a weak link within Aston Villa's team. You look across their eleven and they've kind of got pretty good players in all places. And you know, he's he's fine, he's he's just nothing really spectacular. So I think that there will be certain positions. Left back probably is one of them given that Ashley Young can play there, but he's thirty-six and is Ashley Young. I think that's <laughs> probably something to, to look at in the future. But I watched um, just before the the weekend's game Gerard's interview with uh, with Jamie Carragher, and he yeah. kind of asked him about what his plan was, and that's basically what he said. He's got you know the majority, he's got what he wants, but there's going to be two or three positions that they have to to recruit, but they have to recruit sensibly and, and get the right player for for the right price. It's not just a case of of going out and spending a load of money. But I think he he accepts that he knows whichever club he went to, even if he came into to Liverpool, I'm sure there'd be certain things that he'd want to improve and, and change. So it's no different really to, to any other situation that he's got. But yeah, I think left back for me would be a one to, to look at. The rest of it, I think, I think looks okay, to be honest.
0: It's an interesting conundrum though, isn't it? Because I think in the end of the days of Dean Smith, James, there were lots of people who were saying that, Villa spent the Grealish money without a really idea of how they were going to configure these players but maybe it just was a bit of teething problems at the beginning because I'm like Matt I can start to see the beginnings of a nucleus of a side in there like in the last game Jacob Ramsey was playing in one of the wide forward positions I thought he did really well and Emi Buendia someone who he's almost felt like a little bit of a spare part to a certain extent but in this game, he again was playing in the wide four position, which is not too dissimilar to where Smith was playing Grealish last season. So from an Aston Villa perspective, you can see where they are beginning to maybe find the nucleus as a side, as I mentioned.
2: I like all of the players they signed individually, but I do very much understand the criticism in the sense that none of them seem to be, except maybe Leon Bailey, seem to be an obvious fit for the way they are going to play and obviously having changed the manager again so the style changes then the the situation just becomes compounded even more uh, in a 4-3-3 you don't really want to have ollie watkins and danny ings like i know matt said ollie watkins can play wide and he he has looked quite good there but he's a striker he's definitely a striker danny ings is definitely a striker mm-hmm. emmy Wendeer, in an ideal world plays in a number 10. the players they have are the players for like a 4-4-2 diamonds think sort of rogers at liverpool like that, that, for me, is the ideal shape for Villa to be playing in right now. And Gerard is probably not going to do that. I mean, he's pragmatic, so maybe he looks at the squad and thinks, OK, we'll give it a go. But as you say, at Rangers, it's been very consistent. He's been sort of copying the Liverpool style, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would expect him to do the same again. That's sort of how it started in the early weeks at Villa. So I don't expect that to change. But, yeah, I do think there's a lot of square pegging around whole players now because of how they spent the Greenish money. It's not easy of course you know you get got 100 million burning a hole in your pocket all of the clubs you want to buy from know that so it's hard to find value it's hard to know exactly where to strengthen you can't go out and replace him like for like because you know he's jack grealish he's a very good player and anyone of the equivalent standard isn't going to fancy a move to villa that's just the reality of it so you have to be smart with it and yeah, yeah, they've done they've done their best and got in some players who I really like. Wendell hasn't necessarily started that well, but in particular, I, I really do rate him. Player yeah. I really like. But yeah, it's it's going to be a big test for Gerald to to fit them all in. Like I think Ings was was fit originally when Gerald came in, but he's benched he benched him in one of the games, um, and then he's picked up a knock or something. But like yeah. it's yeah, it's it's a big test to work out how they all gel together. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he how he does in in solving that puzzle,
0: if you like. I think the Danny Ings question might be the most interesting one of all, because maybe with the Liverpool link, there's an assumption that he would be his guy, but obviously they weren't there at the same time, were they? I don't believe. I believe Gerrard left by the time Danny Ings had arrived. So same was, summer, was it, I think? I think it might have been the same summer. So there wasn't really that kind of a connection. And so it's an interesting question. Is he going to be able to stick with him? Because... The one knock about Danny Ings throughout his career has been his ability to stay on the pitch. And if you're Steven Gerrard, you're trying to instill a new philosophy, you're trying to build a new team which you can put out week in, week out so you can get everyone used to a new system. It's difficult to be able to kind of hook your wagon to someone who you can't trust to be in the team every week. Sorry, that was a question to you, Matt. I probably should have. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah,
1: no uh, I, I completely agree I, I was expecting James to pop in, given how much he loves Danny Ings. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's an absolutely fair point. I think the only the only thing that I would disagree with James on in terms of obviously Watkins and, and Ings. Well, obviously I think Watkins can play off the left as well, and that's what he used to do for Brentford. But I think it, it's a bit about squad depth as well. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have two players in that position. It's not the worst thing to have, you know, a, a couple more options. To be honest, it's something you'd you'd quite fancy. Liverpool could probably have done a little bit better Mm -hmm. in terms of of having the squad depth themselves. So, yeah, look, Ings' injury record is not great. They spent a fair bit of money on him, but they've got other options. And I think, um, yeah, I I think there are bigger problems than than the forward line, put it that way, for for Aston Villa. I think certainly left back, like I mentioned before, probably at centre back as well. I'm not a massive fan of Tyrone Mings, if I'm being honest, but... Yeah, most most other areas they look pretty strong.
0: I, I'm well, like you with Tyrone Mings. I feel like that he's just going to get into a situation where he lets him down one too many times, and Gerard's just going to get rid of him. But that's just me saying that. If you're listening, Tyrone. So let's focus. I on you never
2: one of these podcasts. You, know,
0: you, you, never know. you never know. We are getting bigger and bigger by the week. <laughs> I just want to tell you that right now. Um, so let's focus a little bit more on this game and what we can expect to see. Now, Villa have won three games under Stephen Gerrard already by having less of the ball. They would have seen how Wolves were able to frustrate Liverpool for quite a long time in that game at the weekend, James. It's going to be weird for us to think about Gerrard bringing a team to Anfield already, as we've mentioned. But then to see them put 11 men behind the ball, waste time try to burn me up the place, that would feel kind of even more strange. But he has to do what's best for his team, right? We need to be able to expect him to come and do these kind of things, surely.
2: Yeah, like obviously we don't want him to um, in the short term. But yeah, if, if you're looking at him in the long term as a potential manager, then of course... That those are the kind of qualities you want to see not necessarily from a tactical perspective Liverpool are never going to be parking 11 men behind the ball themselves but just in terms of the the pragmatism the playing the occasion the you know the almost the mind games of it as well really that kind of mentality you need to know how to win that's just the fundamental isn't it and if if you're looking at it from an Aston Villa perspective, as Matt touched upon earlier, you're not going to win by playing a worse version of of Klopp's system against Klopp. You're just going to get played off the park. You've seen teams try it and it doesn't work. Um So yeah, in terms of his managerial acumen, you thinking okay, well, if he if he tries to go toe to toe with us? Then you're going to you know raise some raise some questions about how, how smart he is as a manager. But I think all of that is suspended for the, for this game because it you know. At the end of the day, if we're talking about Gerard as a potential future Liverpool manager, it's not until at least 2024. It's also just speculation, essentially based on the fact that he was, you know, a club legend as a player. Like at the end of the day, we could get to 2024 and FSG's like, no, thank you. We'll go for someone who's who's got a bit more of a track record. So yeah, of course, in terms of the that is continuing assessment of Gerard, which is you no know, really started in earnest since the Premier League move, you're gonna have to hope that it comes along and is snide and is smart and winds up the crowd. But yeah, no one at Liverpool is going to necessarily want that in this game. No,
0: no, we don't want that. But it might be to Gerard's advantage to kind of get that, Matt. And this is what I'm getting at, is that we know he's a smart fella. He, We know that all of these things that we've said about what we to expect out of the game, he already knows them as well. He knows that playing... The same system against a better team who've been playing it for longer is a recipe for disaster. So he needs something else. He needs to add another element into the game. So he knows the Liverpool crowd, as we mentioned it. He knows some of the players. He was teammates for a club and country with at least two of the players. He was coach for another one. So he has a closeness of them all. He knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses. Is there something within our game that he knows... That he's able to exploit that we haven't even considered yet.
1: I think there has been a couple of bits of, of weaknesses this season, but maybe not in recent times. I think you think back to, to sort of Brentford and West Ham and, and players being able to, to dribble the ball forwards. I mean, obviously Jack Grealish isn't there anymore, but that would certainly worry me given what we've seen if he was there. Mm-hmm. It's a case of of can maybe Emi Buendia start dribbling forward through through the thirds with the ball. That's something that Liverpool have have not really dealt with too well at, at certain times this season. But the last sort of five games where they've they've won and only conceded the, the one goal. I mean that that just hasn't happened anymore. Liverpool have been far more in control and and being able to to deal with that a lot better. So possibly that's one he would have looked at earlier in the season and, and thought if they can make it a bit chaotic in the middle, that might have, have been one way to get at Liverpool. I'm just not sure if if that's true anymore, to be honest. The only other one that I'd say, I can't remember the guy's name, but I think there's there's a coach there who specialises in set pieces that they've retained from when Dean Smith was there. And I know that's something that, that Stephen Gerrard has, has done a lot at, at Aston Villa so far, not least because Leicester are so dreadful at defending them at the moment. It, it made sense to do that. But I do wonder if if they might have some sort of special routine. We've seen a couple of those early on in, in the two or three games that Gerrard's had so far. Is there you know, maybe a little corner routine? Is there a way that they can get on top of, of Liverpool? Obviously, West Ham had a, a bit of success with that. Kai Havert scored as well from a corner underneath Chelsea earlier in the season. So, look, there, there's not huge weaknesses within this Liverpool team at the moment, but possibly set pieces might be one and, and possibly if they can come up with something clever, they've maybe got the players to to possibly pull that off. Mm.
0: They maybe have. I think that's probably where we are at our most vulnerable. It's one of the weird quirks of this season that the teams who are very good at scoring for set pieces aren't necessarily very good at stopping their opponents scoring from set pieces. So I do think that's definitely going to be a battleground we're going to have to keep an eye on. But James, finally on this subject we've mentioned before that they're going to be trying to do everything they can. We've mentioned before that the crowd themselves are going to have a part to play in this game for better or for worse. We're not going to see Steven Gerrard go out there and go full Arteta and try and fight the Jurgen Klopp. But is it beyond him to maybe try to manipulate the crowds, maybe even calm, placate the crowd, calm everyone down with a, a wave here and a wave there, and maybe hope that we're all still dazed confused when it's nil-nil or 77
2: minutes well yeah it's beyond him um, <laughs> if you I mean if you look at the the news he's done since he arrived as well he's been so desperate to kind of refute any sort of residual affection for Liverpool obviously we all know it's there but he's being very professional he's focused on Villa so if he goes out there and starts waving at the cup it's, it's sort of giving off the wrong vibe I think so um no, it's just it's just going to get on with it. I think we, as you say, we're not going to see any of these Arteta scenes. We're not going to see a bust up between Gerard and Klopp on the touchlines, um, much as as we touched on before the show. Actually, much as Sky and BT, I'm sure, would enjoy it. But um, but no, I think I think once once the whistle goes, it's just going to be a regular game of football, and it just so happens that Stephen Gerrard, of all people, is the man on the touchline. I, I think it'll it'll be the. It'll be the narrative in the lead up and afterwards. But I, I think, as I say, once once the game's underway, it's just going to be another game of Premier League football. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy because it never is. But yeah, I think everyone involved is going to be more than capable of forgetting the, the Gerard narrative for 90 minutes.
0: <coughs> well, we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> I think one thing we can all agree on, this is one game where whoever the losing manager is, we will feel some sympathy for him. I think that's probably the line that I'm going to end the show with because we could go on about this for quite some time. I know all of you out there have your own feelings about Stephen Gerrard, about how you're going to feel if you see him maybe pulling a cholo or maybe pulling Mourinho or maybe doing those of those things, just shaking Klopp's hand and waving to the crowd. We'll see what happens. Matt, James, thank you again. We'll see you all next week.